0: People don't always understand how God is leading his people, which can lead them to asking God for something he is already providing. Hi, I'm Femi Ossaban, a preacher for the Church of Christ. And in today's sermon, Give Us a King, taken from 1 Samuel 12, we will look at the Israelites' request for a king and what it really means for God's people. Hopefully, this sermon will help us to understand how God is leading his people and accepting his authority as God presents it and faithfully following him, no matter where he's leading us and how he is doing it. I think we've all been there when we were children to where we wanted something for dinner that our parents hadn't made And so for a lot of kids in this day and age, it tends to be, I want fast food. I want some McDonald's, I want a Happy Meal. And your parents, they got dinner at home. They got vegetables, a side and the meat that they've worked hard to provide for. They made it for you and it's gonna sustain you. But something in you just wants the fast food because it just has a better taste to it, it's more convenient it's what everybody else is eating and your parent they love you so they give it to you knowing that they have a better option but because they want to meet you where you are and show that they have a concern for some of the things that you're going through they provide it You see we find ourselves like those children and a lot of times with our relationships with god god has a better option for us but there are just things that we want because we want it and it appears to be better when in actuality it's not but god still provides it knowing that he has given us what's necessary and has available to us what's really essential because he loves us and he's had this long history of doing that with people all throughout the biblical narrative but just like God the parent does have stipulations upon the reception of the thing that the child wants they gotta eat it all they can't spend a certain amount You're only going to go to one place. And if the child steps out of bounds in any of this, then they'll lose the very thing that they're desiring. Just like with God's people, when he provides something that we want, if we don't appropriately use it and step outside of his boundaries for it, we will lose it. As we're journeying through 1st Samuel, we've come to this part to where the people were being threatened by this Amorite king and they wanted a king to be like all the other nations so that they could have somebody to lead them out to battle and to bring them back in from battle so that they could be like everybody else. But as we recognize in Samuel, Samuel is the last judge And what this really is saying is that they're coming to a point in their history to where they're changing the authority structure in their nation. God had been their king ever since he led them from Egypt until he presented Saul to them as king. We recall he's the biggest Israelite in the whole nation. His shoulders is at everybody else's head. He looks good to their eye. And so God has selected somebody that they can say, I'll get behind him. That's the man I want as my king. But in that selection that God provided for them, they forgot that God had always been there. And what Samuel is going to do is he's going to remind them of this. You see, they chose a cheaper option to what God had always provided for them. Because now they were in a situation to where somebody had threatened them. But this was not the first time they were in that predicament. But to appease his people, God gives them what they want. What he's been doing all throughout history. Helping people to get to where he wants. He sometimes gives them the very thing that they've always had in him. But packaged up to a way that's palatable for them. Even though they don't realize the true blessings, the depth of what they had. Even though they don't see that God has always been their king. He's always led them out to battle and brought them in. Now they want a man who represents a king to do such. And Samuel is going to tell them how God really sees that. 1 Samuel 12. Samuel said to all Israel... I have listened to everything you said to me and have set a king over you now you have a king as your leader as for me I am old and gray and my sons are here with you I have been your leader from my youth until this day here I stand testify against me in the presence of the Lord and his anointed whose oxen have I taken whose donkey have I taken Whom have I cheated? Whom have I oppressed? For whose hand have I accepted a bribe, to make me shut my eyes? If I have done any of these things, I will make it right. You have not cheated or oppressed us, they said. You have not taken anything from anyone's hand. Samuel said to them, The Lord is witness against you, and also his anointed is witness this day that you have not found anything in my hand we agree they said then samuel said to the people it is the lord who appointed moses and aaron and brought your ancestors out of egypt now then stand here because i'm going to confront you with evidence before the lord as to all the righteous acts performed by the lord for you and your ancestors After Jacob entered Egypt, they cried to the Lord for help, and the Lord sent Moses and Aaron, who brought your ancestors out of Egypt and settled them in this place. But they forgot the Lord their God, so he sold them into the hand of Sisera, the commander of the army of Hazor, and into the hands of the Philistines and the king of Moab, who fought against them. They cried out to the Lord and said, We have sinned, we have forsaken the Lord and served the Baals and the Asterisks, but now deliver us from the hands of our enemies and we will serve you. Then the Lord sent Jeroboam, Barak, Jephthah, and Samuel, and he delivered you from the hands of your enemies all around you so that you lived in safety. But when you saw that Nahash... King of the Ammonites was moving against you. You said to me, no, we want a king to rule over us, even though the Lord your God was your king. Now here is the king you have chosen, the one you asked for. See, the Lord has set a king over you. If you fear the Lord and serve and obey him and do not rebel against his commands, and if both you and the king who reigns over you follows the Lord your God, good. But if you do not obey the Lord and if you rebel against his commands, his hand will be against you as it was against your ancestors. Now then, stand still and see this great thing the Lord is about to do before your eyes. Is it not wheat harvest now? I will call on the Lord to send thunder and rain and you will realize what an evil thing you did in the eyes of the Lord when you asked for a king. Then Samuel called on the Lord, and that same day the Lord sent thunder and rain, so all the people stood in awe of the Lord and of Samuel. The people all said to Samuel, Pray to the Lord your God for your servants, so that we will not die, for we have added to all of our other sins the evil of asking for a king. Do not be afraid, Samuel said. You have done all this evil, yet do not turn away from the Lord, but serve the Lord with all your heart. Do not turn away after useless idols. They can do you no good, nor can they rescue you because they are useless. For the sake of his great name, the Lord will not reject his people because the Lord was pleased to make you his own. As for me, Far be it from me that I should sin against the Lord by failing to pray for you. And I will teach you the way that is good and right. But be sure to fear the Lord and serve him faithfully with all your heart. Consider what great things he has done for you. Yet if you persist in doing evil, both you and your king will perish. You see, true godly. Leadership recognizes God as the leader, but also recognizes who God calls that leader in the person to be. You see, Samuel recognized his responsibility to maintain a godly presence for these people to continue to pray to God on their behalf, to continue to teach them the ways of righteousness so that they would know what God was calling all men to. But Samuel also recognized what he was called to, and he starts off this speech to them, what we read in chapter 12, with his integrity. Who have I misused? Who have I cheated? Who have I taken a bribe from so that I would turn a blind eye to justice? And nobody can say that Samuel has done wrong because Samuel knows who he was called to be as a judge over God's people. From his youth to his old age, he has walked with an integrity before God because he understood the God that he served and the role that God had him before these people. And so Samuel's kind of hurt because he knows how he was as a leader. He knows that he was only under the authority of God their true king that he functioned and the people didn't recognize that so he's upset in the request for a king but God is saying they're not rejecting you they are rejecting me and in reading Samuel we see that the people should have been appreciative of Samuel's leadership Because it's rare to find somebody who functions with that integrity. A few chapters prior to this incident... We read about Eli and his sons, Hophni and Phinehas, and how they were at the temple stealing the meat from the uh, sacrifices, sleeping with the woman at the temple uh, gates. And then we read about Samuel and why the people wanted the king because they said, Samuel, your sons do not walk in the ways that you walk. But Samuel lived his life with integrity and didn't allow his sons or his predecessors to cause him not to present a godly example to the people. And so Samuel shows us how we should be, no matter who we are in front of. We should be able to come to the end of our lives and to really question people and say, Have I done you wrong? Have I lived with integrity Before God and you, have I did anything in any way to cause you to look at me and say I was less than what God called me to be? And if so, I'm willing to fix it. See, that's the type of integrity that God is calling all his people to. And that's the type of integrity that the Israelites were blessed to have in Samuel. And if we function with the understanding that God is our true king then we can function with the same integrity that Samuel functioned with. Because that's a hard challenge. But it's one that we can ascribe to if we're led by the Spirit. But if we're led by the Spirit and we function with that type of integrity, what it also will force us to do is to see how God has been faithful not only in our lives but also in the lives of his people. Because Samuel doesn't just start with himself when he recalls all of the good deeds that God has done with his people. No, he takes it all the way back to when he called Moses and Aaron to lead his people out of Egypt to the promised land. And he says, when you guys cried out to God when the Egyptians were putting you under this bondage, this burden, and they were increasing the amount of bricks that you had to make because you was crying out to God, God heard you. And he delivered you. He sent Moses, and he sent Aaron With the simple message, let my people go so that they can worship me. And through these mighty acts, God delivered you from your oppressors. Samuel doesn't go deep into the history, but we know in the delivering them from their oppressors, they were ungrateful because there was numerous times that they complained about God not providing for them. You brought us in this wilderness to die. Was there not enough graves in Egypt? You know, We need some water. We need some food. We need some protection. And in all of this God is faithful. And he provides it for his people. So they wander in the wilderness for 40 years. 40 years too long might I say. And then they receive this land that God had always wanted to give them. And in the reception of this land, God gave them a stipulation. He said, I'm going to bless you with the land flowing with milk and honey. But this is what you do. You don't follow after the gods of them other peoples. You destroy all of those other peoples because they're going to lead you away from me. What happened? They didn't do it. You see, God as a king had given them instructions on how they were to be in the land that he was reigning over. And yet they did not follow those instructions. And so what happens? In being disobedient to God, God says, okay, the same people that you didn't destroy, I'm going to leave them as a thorn in your side and they're going to test you to see if you'll be faithful to me. And the people, they weren't faithful. So what do we have? Samuel recounts to them a few of the judges and the situations that precipitated because of the people's infidelity. Just like right now, where they're oppressed because of this king of the Ammonites, Nashon is coming up against them to present war. They have had this same thing happened in the past. With Sisera, we have Deborah and Barak. Who come and are delivered by God. With Jeroboam which is Gideon. We have the Moabites who come. Because of the people's infidelity. Because they are worshipping other gods. With Samuel. The people are asking for another king. With Jephthah. They are the oppressors of the Israelites coming. And they're asking for deliverance in all of these circumstances. In all of these circumstances, it appears that there is something going on with the leadership that's not quite right. But God still reigns as their king. So with Sisera, as he comes against the Israelites, you have Deborah, who is judging over the people. And Barak, she tells him, God will deliver you go out and fight for God he says I won't go unless you go with me so what happens Deborah tells him, for sure God will deliver you but because you did not go he will deliver you by the hands of a woman and that's what he does and then we have Gideon Jeroboam he is told that God is with you. And he says, if God is with us, then why are we suffering all of these things? And then he tests God two times and God reaffirms it the third. He says, God, show me if you're with me. Wet this fleece. And God wets the fleece. And then when he says, no, just, just one more, just one more time, God. Wet all the land around the fleece and leave the fleece dry. And God does it. And he confirms to Gideon that he's with them. And then there's another instance as he's about to go fight that God says, If you still do not believe, go out to the army, the enemy's army, and I will show you that I'm with you. And Gideon hears this dream that they have. And it's interpretation that Gideon is going to be victorious over them. You see, Gideon is still... Lacking in faith that God is with him. And with Jephthah, we have this vow that he says, God, if you will just deliver me from these enemies, then I will give you the first thing that comes out of my house. And it happens to be his daughter. But in all of these situations, the leader at that time doesn't have the wherewithal to go out in faith And provide the deliverance that God wants to deliver through them and now we get down to the point to where Samuel's the leader and he's getting old and the people say we want a king over us because there's this question over leadership because there's a lack of faith in the God who's really leading his people and the reason that they're at this position is because Of their infidelity they haven't been as faithful to God as they were supposed to be and Samuel knows this and so he reminds the people that you have done evil in trying to replace God with a man but God is merciful God understands us better than we know so what does God do He says, I'm going to give you a king, even though it's not right. God's leaders, Samuel, understands that request for a king was not right. But he says God's going to work with you. He's still going to deliver you. And God has not given up on his people, even when his people has given up on him. But Samuel recognizes this because he sees and knows what God has done from his people over the long spans of history. And when we don't recognize what God has been doing for us, what God is doing for us as a people, we'll start to ask God for things he has already provided. He provided them with deliverance. He provided them with, Leadership. He provided them with protection. They just didn't recognize it because they wanted it in the way that everybody else in the world has it. And nowadays as Christians, we have to recognize that God is blessing us, but those blessings don't always look like the way the world paints the picture. True spiritual blessings doesn't always equate to finances. True spiritual blessings doesn't always equate to the better things in life. Sometimes the true blessing might come through hardship. Sometimes the true blessing might come through a testing. It might come through a situation that causes us to have deeper faith, but the blessing is the fact that God is with us through all of that And at the end of whatever it is that we go through, we have a better understanding of the God we serve. And we have a better relationship with God because we're serving Him and recognizing that He really is in control. Children of Israel didn't see that at that time, they didn't remember what God had done in the past, they forgot about all of the judges and they had a good leader in Samuel who wanted to remind them God's always been there for them. And it's easy when we're looking at the immediate situation to forget what God has always been doing for us. It's easy when we focus on the right now to forget what God's been doing for his people. That's why it's important for us to know God's story, to know how God has worked in history so that when it gets tough, we recognize that he's always been there. That when it gets hard, that we recognize God has done this before. This is not the first time that he has had to help somebody with pain, with sickness, with death, with lack of faith, with anything that would question a person's stance with God. And we're not the only ones to go through what we're going through. God has a history of being victorious in those situations. And so we need to be reminded at times that God has been doing this from the beginning. But also, we need to understand that even when our faith is low, our understanding is not quite where it needs to be and we ask God to provide something that he's always provided in a different form that God still isn't ultimately in control Israelites give me a king like the other nations who could take us out to battle and bring us back in you want a king? that king is going to tax you That King is going to require of you to provide for his desires that doesn't mean that you will be lessened of your responsibility to God no that means you will just have to give more to suffice for this man that you want that you're going to put in a position that I'm already in and what really is gonna happen God's in control of it all so if you or that king, or if you and that king do not do everything that I say, I'll still punish you. And so, what we have to do as people is we have to recognize that no matter what we ask of God, whether it's in faith, whether it's in lack of faith, that God is in control. And that if we are not going to obey God's commands, if we're not going to do what we're called to do as Christians, then we'll still lose out on the very thing that we're asking God to bless us with. And the very thing that we're probably asking God to bless us with, we already have access to. Maybe not in the form in which we would like, but God's already provided it for us. We're provided the salvation which we're short of because our baptism we receive a deposit which is the Holy Spirit of our guaranteed eternal salvation. We should never supplant that with things that are only found in this earth. We should never say that I would rather have health, wealth, status, materials in this world because I can't see what God has given me in the next. Because when we do that, we're asking for something other than God to be our king. And if we do ask God for those things, recognize that if we don't respect God as God, even if he provides it, he could take it away and he can make it problematic for us. And it's hard sometimes to keep that stuff in its proper perspective. Because we get like some of these judges. Barack, I need somebody else to go with me to assure God's presence. Gideon, if God is with me, why am I going through this? God, please let me test you so that I can be assured of your presence. Jephthah, I'm going to make a vow to you, God, but I need you to give me something to assure that I'm going to be victorious. I'll give you something. But I want to make a a, a wager with you. I want to go tit for tat. And what all of these things are doing is it's undercutting the faith that we're supposed to have. God doesn't need to make a deal with us. God doesn't really need to reassure us through some signs. And we don't need anybody else to do what God is calling us to do. Samuel understood this, and so he can differentiate himself from Hophni, Phineas, and Eli, who were not righteous in God's sight. He can even differentiate himself from his sons, who the people recognized as wicked, and still function with an integrity to live honestly before man. And before God because he knew that God was his king and if we function with that same integrity we function with that same understanding then we will not find ourselves in positions of the masses to where we're trying to to, to, to appease our own comfort levels we're trying to make deals with God so that we can be afforded something he's already given us such as salvation on our terms. We'll accept it how he gives it to us and we'll accept it in faith knowing that no matter what it looks like, God's with us. No matter how strong the enemy presents itself, God is stronger. No matter what the enemy is saying that they're going to do for us, they can't do it because God won't allow it if we walk in faith. So what if Nahash says, I'm going to pluck out all the right eyes of all the men in Israel? No, you won't. Because God won't let you. But our fear can put us in a position to where it will happen. But our faith Our faith informs us that God will not let his people be humiliated by the enemies. When we function with faith, nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, except for ourselves. And when we function with God as our King. We don't need nothing else, and we'll be okay. We go through a lot in this life. We're presented with a lot of problems. We have one true answer. And at times it's hard to see that answer. It's like the kid who has dinner at home. I don't want what mom and dad made because I just don't have a taste for it. But it's better for me. They might provide you with the Happy Meal, but they have a better option that's healthier. And if we eat that, we'll be stronger in the long run. If we rely on God for what God has already provided us, without trying to change it, we'll be better and stronger in the long run. And that's what God is calling us all to my prayer is that we when we are ready to transition to the next life we can be like Samuel and we can say who have I wronged who have I mistreated who have I taken a bribe from to pervert justice and nobody nobody can accuse us We, like Samuel, can tell people, when you have mistakenly asked for something else to be your king, you have forsaken God and it's evil. And that's not right. But I'm still, I'm still going to be that spiritual example that God would have me to be. Because I'm not going to sin before God by neglecting you. And we, like Samuel, can recognize, no matter what we're going through, that God is our King, no matter what we're in, no matter what position. And then our hope will be fulfilled. We'll see our King and we'll be with Him eternally. That's my hope for all of us. And that's the prayer. I'm not sure where that sermon leaves you. My prayer is that you will contemplate it and incorporate it into your Christian life. If you're not a Christian, I ask, what's stopping you? God sent his son Jesus to freely extend the gift of salvation to all who will follow him. To get that salvation, one must follow the example set out in scripture. The book of Acts, which details the church's beginnings and expansion, shows us biblical examples of those who were saved. A good place to look is in Acts 2. You get Peter preaching the first gospel sermon and the response of those who heard and believed his message. They repented and were baptized, which added them to the church Christ established. The Bible only teaches of one church. If you want to be added to it, go to your local Church of Christ and tell them your desire to be washed of your sins and to live a godly life. Study your Bible, put its teachings to practice, and you will make heaven your home.